Economist Stephen Moore is warning that the United States is headed towards a Great Depression. And, gee, you don't think so? Duh! I mean, how can you not when every person, young and old, every city, every state, every government is indebted up to their next to the private banksters? And this is truth that, of course, you won't hear on the mainstream media because we have articles like we have this one from NPR that is titled, Fed goes all out to keep economy alive during coronavirus shutdown. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting how they highlighted the biggest robbery and transfer of wealth from you to the 0.01%. USA Today had another headline, quote, an unsung hero of the coronavirus crisis, the Federal Reserve. And now this big Ponzi scheme, this big game of debt slavery control, well, it's something that even vulture organizations like the IMF are looking at and saying, whoa. That's a great Ponzi scheme that they got going on there. We should implement it, too, with the latest news from Bloomberg that the IMF is mulling a Fed-like program to supply dollars to more economies. I mean, you got to be kidding me. There's a reason we're going to title this video something like IMF Global Takeover. Tim Peshout, the Liberty Advisor, you're here. This is your expertise what do you make of this latest announcement by the imf well thanks luke and that was probably one of the closer uh, pronunciations of my name you've done so Pachote. so uh, i'm glad that after your break we were able to get a little bit better uh, pronunciation but yeah so the first article goes on with uh stephen moore so he, i believe he's of the heritage foundation but he's saying at some point very soon we're going to have to make some real decisions about what kind of calamity we are causing through the lockdown of our economy I'm not saying we should be inattentive to the public health concern, but at some point we have to worry about what we're doing to our society and what kind of economy we're going to have after this is all over. Moore, who advised President Trump on the economy, told hosts, blah, 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 blah. If we go p much past May 1, we are facing a potential Great Depression. So funny how that's May Day. And uh, yeah, so we just goes on to say that the unemployment could get as high as 23%. And it was as high as 24.9% during 1933 during the Great Depression. Now, the other thing I do want to point out, though, is that during the Depression, they were counting unemployment rates a lot differently than they do count that today. Uh, you know, it's also important here that the Fed goes all out to keep the economy alive during the coronavirus shutdown. And the Federal Reserve is doing everything they can to keep financial markets functioning and credit available to households and firms, said former Fed Chair Janet Yelling during a forum organized by the Brookings Institution, which is a very big uh, socialist uh, think tank for anyone that knows. I mean, and let's take a look at what the Fed's balance sheet has done. So this is from our friend uh, John Snyson of the EconomicTruth.org's website. And we are approaching $6 trillion from the Fed's balance sheet, which not too long ago was sitting at around like $3.78 trillion. And so we have a little bet going that I think by the end of the month, it's going to reach uh, $7.35 trillion. John thinks we're going to be reaching $8 trillion, And who knows? I mean, it's just, you know, anyone knows. <laughs> anyone can take a guess at where things are going. But, you know, getting back to the IMF, is, you know, let's see what the IMF actually is. So the IMF, they were mandated to oversee the International Monetary and Financial System and monitor the economic and financial policies of its member countries. This activity is known as surveillance, and, and because you know we're in a big prison planet here, and facilitates international cooperation. Since the demise of Bretton Woods' system of fixed exchange in the early 70s, surveillance 
has evolved largely by way of changes in procedures rather than through adoption of new obligations. The responsibility changed from those of guardian to those of overseer of members' policies. And then, uh, you know, as we go on down here, the IMF, and this is important, conditionality is a set of policies or conditions that the IMF requires in exchange for financial resources. So they, so you have to give up resources as a country and then they will lend you money just like, you know, basically the uh, loan sharks that they are. Now the IMF does require collateral from countries for loans, but also requires government seeking assistance to correct its macroeconomic imbalances in the form of policy reforms. Now they give out loans that they know there's no way these countries can ever pay them back. And let's just get into this. So the IMF, International Monetary Fund, is not really a fund. It acts like a bank. The World Bank actually acts like a fund. And then the inter and the Federal Reserve isn't federal and it's not reserving anything. So all the and then you got uh, you know, none of the words mean anything. Like, what does conservative mean? What does liberal mean? The, the Freedom Act, the Patriot Act. I mean, it's all just an illusion just to convince you of your own slavery. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. And so, I mean, this has been, you know, their MO for a long time is that they'll go in, go to a country. They know they can't pay them. So they'll say, oh, okay, here's, you know, uh, you know, $50 billion, but in exchange, and oh, well, you can't pay that $50 billion. So now we'll lend you $75 billion so you can pay back the 50 plus the interest for the new one. And then, oh, we've eventually got that noose around your neck so tight that there's nothing you can do. And now, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, those ports over there, those, uh, you know, those resources you have over here, you know, that great water that you have, the gold, the oil, uh, what, what have you. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we as a big multinational you know, conglomerate, we're going to come in here or, you know, as the IMF, we're going to come in here, which is basically the IMF, you know, pretty much is America, which, yeah, you know, and, and give it to the special interests. It's, it's, it's more of a globalist kind of entity since these mainly special interest groups are multinational corporations and they work with the U.S. intelligence agency, of course, to push and pressure third world countries into slavery. So it's, it's some, it's somewhat of a similar banking scheme system. And, and just like I pointed out in the beginning, if you look at the system under play now, a lot of these bankers, they don't provide anything. They use money to make money, but there's no service. There's no manufacturing. Meanwhile, the people who are providing services, manufacturing are just getting indebted, enslaved and screwed over by these central controllers and planners who are just like, getting excited over the possibility of another crisis that they're going to benefit off of. And, and if you look at the people who are benefiting, it's the same organizations, hedge fund groups like Citadel, where the former Federal Reserve chairman goes for a nice, nice, cushy advisory spot. Uh, that's the type of organizations that profit off of each other, because, again, there's a there's a revolving door around the banksters and around the government. And at the end of the day, that revolving door you don't realize it, but it's kicking you right in the gonads and taking anything of value and wealth from you. So this yeah. is another big Ponzi scheme. So it doesn't surprise me that the IMF during this time is saying, hey, we want our give me's. Give me, give me. We're going to create a Federal Reserve of the world, which is pretty much a more slavery in debt system of the world, as if they're not already doing it in their way to the third world. But now they want the entire world, which is uh, pretty eye-opening, but not surprising. Yeah, and let's, and let's speak to where this is eventually going. So the IMF also has its own unit of account or currency, so to speak. And so that currency, if we look here on the screen, 
It's called the SDR. Uh, for some reason, they abbreviate XDR, which I don't know. I don't, don't ask me why they do that. But it's 41% US dollar, 30% euro. The renminbi is uh, about 11%. The Japanese yen is 8 And then the British pound is 8%. Now, one thing that's very interesting to note of that, and I did, I sort of copied you and Jeff Burke in these types of videos where I did a, a walk and talk with my dogs in, Jan in uh, June. And in that video, I, I was predicting that Facebook's Libra would be modeled after this SDR. That's almost, almost exactly down to a T. But the greater implication of that is that what we'll probably have is eventually where things are going is they want to have a digital dollar. That digital dollar will then be tied up to an international currency. So you might still be over in Europe using, actually, who knows how crazy things are going. They might be go revert back to their uh, national currencies. But you might still be using a euro, but then the euro is making up 30% of this SDR, of which 40% of it is the dollar. And so you're still using your currency, but then it's tied to another globalist currency, which is why you have people like uh, you know the head of the Rothschild banking family once famously said, I care not who controls. I care not who is in power. I can. I, I'm going to mess this up. I care not who makes the laws. I only care who controls the money, and I control the money, or something like that. And so this is. So these are the people that control the money. They control all your resources, and they want to then have all this. Whereas it's not about. And they, we've even talked about euro bonds. I know John Snyson has talked a lot about this. Is because it's one thing to say, hey. You know, we need to, you know, get together economic, or we need to get together as, uh, you know, a, a trade unit, or we need to get together, uh, you know, as a United States of Europe. So if you try to pitch, you know, the euro as, you know, we're going to bind ourselves together and be the United States of Europe, that's a hard sell. If you try to say, oh, we're just trying to make things easy, and we want to have free trade, and we want to, you know, just make things, you know, a lot simpler for the average person, people buy into that. But little do they know that when you tie yourself economically, that is the strongest economic bind. You, that is basically the strongest bind you can possibly make and so now what you also see is people are begging for the government to come in begging for somebody to help them and so that's why you have the creator of the federal reserve system paul warburg back in the day who he is modeled after daddy uh, warbucks in the play uh annie and so he is the guy that said we shall have a one world government it's only a matter of it's through consent or conquest this is through consent of getting people to beg for this uh you know for this, but then, you know, as we're taking a look on the screen, the IMF mulls Fed-like program to supply dollars to more economies. So here we go. The International Monetary Fund may launch a new program to help address the global shortage of dollars, providing a backup to the Federal Reserve's campaign to keep greenbacks flowing around the world economy. This initiative has the support of the U.S. Treasury and may be launched within weeks, according to people familiar with the matter. The U.S. is the world's largest shareholder. Yeah, so the IMF does have shareholders, just like the Federal Reserve has shareholders, except those are private banks and individuals. The IMF is next week scheduled to hold virtual meetings of members at a time when more than 90 countries have already asked for its assistance in shielding their, their economies from the coronavirus and global recession. One of those countries is Myanmar. And so this article goes on to say that Myanmar uh, basically needs uh, some assistance. And so be careful. I mean, so you're basically when you're making a deal with the IMF, you're making a deal with the devil. And speaking of the devil, taking a look at the link between the state of the economy and suicide rates. And so, you know, what happens is people lose their job. They're going to start, you know, resorting to, you know, different types of drugs. They're going to start resorting to drinking. They're going to get very depressed. And you're going to see, unfortunately, a huge spike up in uh, suicides. And I don't think it's really, you know, a stretch to say that there's probably going to be, and Luke, I'm sure, probably backs up on this, probably is going to think there's going to be 
Uh, unfortunately, way more people that probably die as a result of the economic fallout than even of the coronavirus fallout. And this fallout, you know, we'll, we're going to lead this into this into our next video and talk about why the stock market rallied so much today, where things are going, you know, if you should invest or not. So, you know, I'll, I'll leave it, you know, back back to Luke. But uh, and most yeah. importantly, if this is a dead cat, cat bounce, and again, I'm looking at what a lot of the globalists are saying. I just did a video about Henry Kissinger and his uh, latest kind of fear-mongering doomsday warning uh, on the main channel. We are changing. Now we're also seeing former Federal Reserve Chairman Janet Yellen saying the U.S. economic downturn will be a devastating hit predicting, of course, a major, major impact in the second quarter. Um, so well, 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 Bernanke says it's going to be a snowstorm. So let's, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm from the snowiest place in America, and this is not a snowstorm. Let's just no. put it that way. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're keeping a close eye on that. Uh, whether the economy is a dead bounce or not, we're going to be discussing that plus a lot more in the next video. All, of course, information that you can't get on the mainstream media economic news channels that, are, again, are just bonkers and uh, absolutely have proven themselves not to be right on a lot of these things. So stay tuned for more uh, and uh, check out the next video about the dead cat counts. Uh, well, the stocks are sticking to near season highs as we're seeing headlines saying that the Dow is soaring while, of course, the coronavirus is slowing. And when you look at the data, especially from the hot spots in Europe like Italy, yeah, the numbers of cases and deaths are slowly plateauing. And is this a major cornerstone? Will the economy come back like it did before, even bigger and better like Donald Trump promises? Or is this a dead cat bounce? We're going to discuss that, of course, with Tim Peshout, the Liberty Advisor. And what's your take on this, Tim? Because, again, we, it could go either way. There's still a lot of unpredictability. There's still a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different data to look at. But what does your gut say? Dead cat, dead cat bounce or back bigger, better than ever? Well, for skipping to the end here, I would say it's a dead cat bounce. So as we're taking a look right now on the screen, we see uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up almost 1,200 points. S&P is up uh, you know, 5.64%. So they both have the gangbuster days. And so, yeah, this article says Dow Jones futures jump as as viruses slow. And so the Dow Jones, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, basically, I mean, this, this article goes on to say that, you know, these choppy, uncertain markets are dangerous. Some quality stocks are setting up and a few stocks have cleared proper buy points or early entries, but that may be tempting. But the volatile, choppy action means that investors are apt to buy in an upswing and then get caught on the downside. And so right now, people are thinking that, you know, it's a great time to buy, that this is, you know, like other recessions we've seen where maybe things just bounce right back up. Or as Ben Bernanke, former Fe or Osama Ben Bernanke, as I like to call him, said, this is basically like a snowstorm and that all this is going to pass and that in like a week or two, everything should be fine. And I think that we all know that that is an absolute uh, ridiculous notion, especially when you've got the Surgeon General saying this is going to be the hardest and saddest week of most Americans' lives. And so why that would that's be... That's definitely a fear-mongering comment. Now, numbers will increase uh, in the United States. We'll see how we'll be able to handle it. But, I mean, we've seen this coming for a while, just looking at, uh, you know, the, the European numbers, especially Italy. So, I mean, the worst is yet to come. But also, 
Those are very hyperbolic, fear-mongering kind of statements by the Surgeon General, who's been lying to the American public about this entire situation. Sorry, I just had to mention Yeah, no, 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 thanks. And then take a look at this one from MarketWatch here. Fed's board says there is good news for those worried about the economy's future, that universal COVID-19 testing will help restore economic health. And just bear with us on this one, because this gets crazy. A daily test would give Americans confidence to once again interact, St. Louis Fed president says. And there is good news for those who think the U.S. economy will have tough time recovering from the coronavirus pandemic. There is a solution using available technology today to fix the economic part, Bullard said in an interview on the CBS News program, Face the Nation. Uh, as we're going on here, Bullard laid out a system where every American would be tested every day and wear a badge with their negative result similar to the ones people wear after they vote. Uh, maybe similar also to where, like a little scarlet letter in uh, Nazi Germany. Yeah, it's like brave new world to get your little soma induction in, you know, into your system. While of course Bill Gates and Dr. Fucci are pushing for you know more vaccines, uh, you know, as a solution to this, and they're discounting uh, a lot of the drugs that Donald Trump and other individuals are touting as something that may potentially be uh, good here. Uh, just go, just a couple things to add here. There's still a lot of uncertainty. Uh, there's still some people expecting a second wave, even if, uh, you know, this sickness goes down in numbers in Italy. We are still going to reach the tip of this wave, according to some experts, in just a few days. So we're going to see how the system's going to handle that. And because of just the uncertainty and, and, and just the way because of how different countries and different states in the United States have been handling this, there's going to be, you know, an interesting... Uh, thing that's going to happen because we're going to see some states go up and then some states also go down. But then, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's an extremely unknown situation that really, uh, it's, it's for me too early to call as some kind of rebirth. And that's why I kind of agree with you that this is kind of more of a dead cat bounce, especially when you look at the data from China, which has been fudged, which they're lying about which people are still under quarantine, even though China announced that they successfully destroyed this sickness and the only cases are coming from tourists. Well, that's very unlikely because the chances of them getting herd immunity uh, with their numbers is just absolutely ridiculous. So I'm kind of leaning towards uh, the, the way of what you've been saying, that this is probably a dead cat bounce. Yeah, I probably, I do not think this is a snowstorm, as uh, Bernanke was going on to say, just absolutely ridiculous. But uh, Bullard, yeah, he laid out a system where everyone would wear their test results around like a badge of honor. And this would help the economy because people could interact with one another with a lot of confidence. And in principle, this is an underst this is an understandable situation. We do not want people to go back to basketball games. We do not want people to get on planes while this disease is ravaging the economy. And look what article this goes right into from Zero Hedge. Immunity certificates are coming. COVID survivors to get special passports, enabling return to normal normalcy. Uh, I'm going to really mess up pronouncing this, but uh, I guess Luke would be, uh, maybe he could pronounce this, but uh, if you can't pronounce my name, I don't know if you'll be able to pronounce hydrochloric, blah, 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 and antibiotics appear to help. There is increasing evidence that the asymptomatic infection rate could be as much as 50 times higher than expected. If this is true, the severity and death rate could be much lower than anticipated, and we could be closer to herd immunity than projected. 
blah, 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 blah. One could imagine a world in the next few months where everyone is tested and all but the immune compromised go back to socially distanced but more normal life. We wear bracelets or carry a phone certificate, which indicates our status and tracks infections where they emerge. Yay, let's all cheer for antibody-based freedom. And people who have... There's still, Tim, there's still a big possibility that this craziness, this madness could last six months to two years. There's that possibility. If we look at the approach that Germany is taking with this entire situation, they've been taking it very seriously. They've been, of course, dealing with it a lot better than Italy. And because of that, there's a lot less people that have died in Germany compared to, of course, Italy that became the epicenter. So, uh, you know, medically speaking, Germany has handled this in a very effective way. And what they're calling for now in Germany is antibody blood tests that are, again, expensive, time-consuming, take a lot of your blood to determine if you have particular antibodies to this, you know, sickness. Uh, By doing that and then issuing supposed certificates to anyone who has these antibodies, since, of course, we know many people get to this sickness, don't even know it and become immune to it anyway, um, even that, I mean, that's a long process. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of time and a lot of resources. And people are looking at Germany as the kind of gold standard in dealing with this. And if people follow the way of Germany as Germany's dealing with this, um, that's that's not going to, you know, again, I'm not trying to equate economy with life, but, but the two are related more than you think, especially if you look at the cancer rates that have developed after the 2008 financial crisis. There's a direct correlation to emotional distress and loss of, of income that correlates with the rise of sicknesses and diseases. So again, there's a fine balance that needs to be played here, but from all the signals and all the signs and how Germany is dealing with this, how China's still lying about this, how there could be a second wave, how there's so many unpredictable variables in this, I would be a lot more skeptical than optimistic when it comes to the fraudulent Ponzi scheme that people call the U.S. economy. Yeah, and then uh, just going back into this, people who have contracted the virus and have recovered normally develop antibodies to fight the virus could be their golden ticket to escape regions that have strict social distancing measures and or lockdowns. So just imagine immunity certificates granted by governance to people who have recovered or have developed resistance to the virus could be considered special passports that will allow them to freely travel across states, countries, or the world while everyone else remains hunkered down in their homes or doomsday bunkers. An immunity certificate is an important thing that we will be doing and are looking at, but it's too early in the science of the immunity that comes from having had the disease. And this is coming from uh, you know one of the uh, top health ministers over there in the UK, and they calling it a and also the former prime minister of Italy Matteo Renzi calling it a has called it a COVID pass for the uninfected who can return to their normal lives. And then of course we've got you know the TED talk down here from Bill Gates, where uh, you know just the other day he was giving a TED talk and you know promoting all of his vac- vaccine propaganda. Because let's face it, you know it's it's the you know Luke was saying before like, like different ways they're trying to fix this. Well, they are the Federal Reserve. The only thing they have is a money gun, and they've been firing their money gun at will. So here we are having a little bit of fun, you know, as Rome burns over here, uh, because you know this is just you know such a horrific situation, and to think that people think that we're just going to be back 
to everything as normal because it's just a snowstorm. It's just ridiculous. Uh, we've got bigger, the- better, and than ever, as Donald Trump says. And there, there, you should question that. You should definitely question that. Donald Trump also was saying April first could be a time where we reopen everything again. Uh, a lot of times you just have to understand you could only depend on yourself and no one else. This is still ravaging other world leaders like Boris Johnson that was just hospitalized, the prime minister of the United Kingdom, that again was sent to the hospital because his condition worsened from this sickness. But at the same time, you also have to look that he is middle-aged, overweight, has a history of respiratory problems and illicit drug use. So he is in the demographic that is most heavily affected by this. But these are, you know, world leaders. Other world leaders have have the, the similar kind of uh, characteristic as Boris Johnson. So um, as as the leaders are ravaged by this, there's still just so many variables. It is interesting that drug you mentioned, hydrochloroquine. Hydrochloroquine. I think I said it right. I think I said it better than you did. <laughs> you said it better than you say my the name. You say it every day. So. Protocol. It's interesting to see the media attack it as much as it is, especially you know as they're promoting vaccines. That that yet again, different bodies react to differently. I'm not a medical expert. Don't get any medical advice from this video at all. But it's important to question a lot of what we hear from politicians and the mainstream media. And now that they're telling us, you know, bigger, better than ever. Um, I would be smarter than that since the whole system is just based on debt. Sorry, I cut you off, Tim. You had something to say. No, yeah. So, you know, continuing on here, uh, legendary economist Gary Schilling, who predicted the housing crisis, says the stock market is probably far from the bottom. And uh, basically, the, the highlights of what he says is Schilling expects a recession to run at least through the end of the year. And it says the stock market is probably far and away from the bottom. Schilling thinks one of the most important things that has happened is a realization of how dependent we are in the rest of the world. As a result, he says there will be a lot more protectionism, which is much more inefficient and will probably lead to fewer domestic jobs. He says the U.S. is likely to going to be seeing a big infrastructure plans, but they are not likely to pull the economy out of this recession because it will be too slow. And how crazy is that? It's like we're at a time where uh, – so it's like imagine if you just lost your job. Uh, you know, you're not sure how you can pay your housing. And then you're like, Hey, honey, let's go, you know, take out a second mortgage and go, uh, you know, build a tennis court and go build a swimming pool and go put on a new roof. And so and, th- and get some crack whores, which is essentially what they're doing and more illicit drugs, which is pretty much the, the half of the activity on Wall Street that, you know, Wall Street again, uh, the whole economic system, it's based on people using money to make money. No manufacturing, no services, lots of drug use. Lots of crackhead hookers as well. Sorry, that's the truth. Well, I use money to make money too, but without the crackheads or the or the or the uh, <laughs> without the drugs too. But anyways, I mean, this is another article I think is ridiculous. So Janet Yellen blames enormous debt and buybacks for coming default wave. Morgan Stanley says it's all the Fed's fault. So if you guys remember, in June of 2017, Janet Yellen decided to wave the red flag before the bulls of fate and responding to a question. On financial system stability, the then Fed chair said post-crisis regulations had made financial institutions much safer and sounder. And as a result, she went on to predict that there would never again be a financial crisis in our lifetimes to wit, will I say there will never ever be a financial crisis? No, probably that would be going too far. But I do think we're much safer and I hope that it will not be in our lifetimes and I don't believe it will. 
I mean, that is such a pants on fire, ridiculous statement coming from the former Federal Reserve chair. Now, I mean, not, not surprising that it's coming from them because basically you have to be a complete idiot to get one of those jobs or just be, you know, on the dole. But, you know, she gets a lot of credit for predicting 2008. She didn't predict it. She made like one or two presentations where she, you know, used the word housing and economy basically to say that everything is going great with housing and the economy. Uh, and now they, you know, they try crediting her as being some sort of soothsayer with all this stuff. And then, uh, yeah, we got another article saying a little ice age is upon us. Take note and be ready to change your thinking. We've got uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the death. And this is a tweet from uh, just uh, two days ago. Death of the dollar. People desperate for money. Very sad. If the government gives you free money, take it. Yet spend it wisely. Do not save. Buy, not investment advice. This is him saying it, not me. Buy gold, silver, Bitcoin. The dollar is, di- the dollar is diving, dying. Silver, $20. Best buy for future security. Everyone can afford twenty dollars. You know, hey, twenty dollars is twenty dollars. So, uh, so, and I had to had to throw oh, that Joe one in there. That. Yeah, I had to had, had to throw that one in there. But anyways, uh, you know, we got even Goldman Sachs says or government Sachs says after the crash of twenty twenty, corporate earnings won't recover until twenty twenty three. And so those corporate earnings a lot of times are used to in stock buybacks. So that you know pretends to some other things that are not going to be uh, going on too well. Other things that aren't going uh, well is the U.S. high-yield bond funds see record inflows after exodus. So we've seen just you know, a huge amount of money going into these, huge amount of money going out of these. It's just been an absolute roller coaster. Today, there was supposed to be a meeting shifting gears to uh, you know OPEC. The Saudis and Russians were supposed to have a meeting, and now that meeting got uh, postponed, and people do see oil potentially going below $10. I'm not sure if that will happen. But uh, you know, a lot of us know who Mark Cuban is. And Mark Cuban says coronavirus changes everything in the U.S., so leaders should step up. And, of course, you know he wants people to do more and more and more things, but he's also the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. And so this blends right into the big question for sports because you know we are in such a bread and circus type economy and environment. When will you feel safe around 20,000 strangers again? And I did see some articles where it showed the NBA is thinking of having NBA players, you know, stage a game of horse. You know, that's where you shoot around and, you know, if you miss one and you get an H and if you miss another one, you get an O. You know, we all, we all know what horse is. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, we got all these people think that this is, you know, this is, you know, this, uh, you know, uh, we're in a new uh, bull market where, you know, this is a dead cat bounce. I had a, a Facebook message, uh, not a message, it was on my wall, February 28th, where I said that this was, uh, looks like a dead cat bounce to me. And, you know, I had some clients even say, hey, are we j- jumping in on the bounce? At the time, I said, uh, absolutely not. And that was probably when, I don't have it pulled up right now, but I mean, the Dow was probably about like 26,000 or 27,000 at the time. Uh, now, let me pull this up right now. That, and let's pull this up on screen. We're at 22,200. So we go, to, let's check out the chart a little bit longer. Time horizon here. Unfortunately, I am on the one day chart. So let's go, let's go to three months over here. So going back to the three months chart, yeah, February 28th. Let me try to find this. Of course, I'm uh, scrolling and it's... I got another article here uh, that has a great headline. It says, tragic, Bill Gates had a cure for the coronavirus, but it was erased by a Windows virus. (laughs) That, of course, is Babylon B right now, (laughs) a satire website. It's not a true website, but it brings up an important point. Why is the mainstream media and establishment promoting a man who created a product that's been destroyed by computer viruses as a way to kind of fix the problem that we're doing now. Again, a lot of questionable things happen around uh, Bill Gates and a lot of arguments, a lot of debates, lots of unknowns. And, and again, this is why I think there, it, this situation is too unpredictable to call 
as of right now, but I'm definitely leaning towards your assessment. Um, not looking good here overall long-term projections. Yeah, and that was that was twenty-seven thousand. Everything's built on fraud. Sorry, go ahead. And that, that was thanks for saving me there while I was looking it up. But that was twenty-seven thousand on the Dow on February twenty-eighth. So we are you know about five thousand points lower, even with the the massive recovery today. But I think that is a uh, you know sort of fake news type recovery. Now I might be wrong on it, but my investment strategy works either way uh, based on how we have it set up. Not to make a cheap plug for myself, but yeah, this is in my opinion a complete dead cat bounce. Uh, you know, you should really be evaluating what you're doing, uh, have some sort of plan at this point. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're going to still keep bringing you guys the news over here, you know, as we see it, you know, a lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh, you know, this really is truly historic times, especially from the economic side of things. Cause the game plan when Luke initially was, you know, asking me to come on here, the game plan was not to have me bring, break down the financial stuff every day, but then the day we came out, everything hit the fan and, you know, they're using this to enslave us. They're using us to get vaccine passports. They're using this to tie into social credit, getting digital dollars. This really is, you know, a very, very important subject. But let us know, you know, other people that you guys would like to see us interview or other topics along the, these lines like to see us covered. And we're going to still keep bringing you guys, uh, you know, the news as we see it. Yep. That's why I've been telling everyone from the very beginning of this, the economic ramifications, the economic storm coming from all of this will be far more severe than, of course, this sickness so yeah. stay tuned for more every single day with independent media reporting here on change the news an economic 9-11